Welcome to the Prairie Heights Podcast. Thanks for listening today. I hope it motivates you. I hope it builds your faith and helps you connect with Christ and a church family here at Prairie Heights. Enjoy the message. Hey, everyone. My name is Beth. If I haven't had the chance to meet you and neighbors, huh? Let's talk about them. Let's talk about them. We've got, uh, maybe you have the immaculate neighbors. You know who they are. The ones who keep their lawn in the most perfect design. And when they come over to your driveway to talk to you, it's like they remain like really good eye contact. But every once in a while, you see them like glance a little bit at your lawn. And then a scowl comes on their face. Because they know their lawn's way better than your lawn. Or maybe we've got the party neighbors. The party neighbors, and they've got the cars lined the street every one, at least once a week, because they've got football parties, and they've got birthday parties, and they've got gatherings at least once a week. There is noise coming out of that house at all hours of the day and the night. And uh, it's like a 50-50 chance that the smells coming out are attractive, Like sometimes you can smell the really good food and other times it's like the next morning, the trash, and it's awful. (laughs) Sometimes uh, our family can definitely be the party neighbors. We like to host. Or we've got the turtle neighbor. The turtle neighbor that, you know, they only show themselves like a couple times, like two days a year when the elements are just right. Otherwise, they're just in and out of their garage. And so you don't know if an actual person really lives there. I can also be the turtle neighbor in the winter, right? Or last but not least, we've got the animal neighbor. And the animal neighbor, uh, they are the ones who, not only do they have the dogs that bark at all times, especially when you go in the backyard and you're playing catch with your kids and you have a shared fence and, and they're barking all the time, but then you went over to their house once when they invited you and you saw in their large living room, they've got deer mounts everywhere. And then you're pretty sure that when they went to get you some ice for your water, you saw in their freezer a frozen raccoon. (laughs) Neighbors. They come in all sorts, don't they? They come in all sorts. And here's the truth about neighbors is that we don't get to choose who we live by, right? We don't get to choose who we live by but what we do get to choose is, almost, is far more important. It's not who we live by, but it's how we actually neighbor. And so today we're starting a two-week series. It's called that, How to Neighbor. And the reason that this series is so important to us, right here in our cities, right here at Prairie Heights, is that in a time where we start getting ready for the holiday season and gatherings. And maybe you're gonna gather around a table with family, but maybe it is gonna be friends that are gonna come into your home or you're invited into someone else's home. Or maybe you are gonna notice that there's neighbors that live around you that don't have a place to go and you're gonna be the one that's gonna invite them in. And in a time when a season of the year where we can get pretty like, internal focused. Uh, We could get pretty selfishly focused as we head into the consumerism of the holidays. In a time and a season of year when it gets a little chilly around here, (laughs) we can get pretty focused on just coming in and out of the house with not a lot of relational connection. 
This series, the topics that we're talking about, how to neighbor, are so important. It's so important that we look outside our walls and we think about how to meet the needs of the people around us. Because Jesus didn't call us to live by our neighbors, he called us to love our neighbors. And so I'm excited through today's story, we're gonna answer two specific questions. The first one, who is your neighbor? And the second one, how to neighbor. Okay, so we're gonna, uh, as we go along in the story, I want you to be thinking about those two questions. Who is your neighbor and how to neighbor? And what does Jesus have to say about those two things? How is he gonna answer those two questions? Uh, we're gonna jump right in. It's in Luke chapter 10, 25 through 29 are the verses. I'm gonna be reading from the New Living Translation. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. You can uh, open up the Pray Heights Bible app and go to resources where you can follow along also on the screens. All right, here we go. Luke chapter 10. It says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to the test Jesus, stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? See, Jesus replied by asking the religious expert, he said, what do you already know? What he's saying to him is, what do you already know about the question that you're asking me? And he would know that the religious expert would know the law of Moses, simply put, is the first five books of the Old Testament as we know it today, uh, in history, it's called the Torah. And so this religious expert would have known what, what God commanded way back then about how to live a life that would honor God. And so how he would have uh, answered this would have came from, I wanna read real quick, two Old Testament scriptures. The first one, Deuteronomy 6, 5 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Leviticus 19, 18 says this, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And so when this religious expert asked Jesus the question, Jesus said to him, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? He would have known that he would have known these things. And so here's how the man answered. Almost word for word, almost verbatim from what he would have known from the Old Testament, the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbors as yourself. Simply put, love God, love people. You narrow that down, love God, love people. In verse 28, Jesus told him, right. He's like, you got it. Do this and you will live. It's like, you got it right. You knew. You knew the answer to that question, and you got it right. And then Jesus told him, do this and you will live. Verse 29, the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Isn't that interesting? I want us to pay attention to that last verse. It says the man wanted to justify his actions. And so I'm gonna make a few assumptions here. I don't know exactly, but I wonder, the religious expert started off by asking a question of like, how do I live a life that's honoring to God so I can spend eternity uh, with him in heaven, which we cannot earn our way to heaven. Uh, we just need to put our faith and trust in Jesus, and then we get to live with God forever in heaven through that heart commitment. That's a little bit of a side tangent. I wanted to make sure to clarify that. Uh, but in verse 29, it says, the man wanted to justify his actions. 
And so he asked another question. So it begs the question, did this religious expert know what to do? Did he know what God wanted him to do? Did he intellectually know what the Torah would have said? He knew it, but I wonder, based on the rest, did his actions live it? Did it actually translate to his heart so he had a heart posture that would go out and live it? And so he wants to justify his actions, so he's like, who's my neighbor, Jesus? Have you ever been in a place where you've justified your actions? It was a couple months ago, and I was lying in bed, and I couldn't sleep, and it was a little bit after midnight, and typically when I can't sleep, I lay there for a little bit, I pray, and then I still couldn't sleep, so I grabbed my phone, and I went to the Bible app, and I read a scripture, and I still couldn't sleep, and so then, of course, I just opened up the Amazon app. You know where this is going. And I was on the Amazon app, and wouldn't you know it, it was Amazon Prime Deal Day. And so, and this is very abnormal behavior for me. Very abnormal. In the middle of the night to be on my phone, on the Amazon app, buying stuff. And so I begin scrolling through, and I'm like, oh, we need that, and we need that, and we need that, and we typically buy that, and we buy that, and now I can get it on sale. Like anything that's like red, and there's a crossed out uh, black line that says like the old price and the new price is in red, and it's like a sale. Gets me. Hook, line, and sinker every time. And so I've got the things in the, in the cart, and it's whatever. At this time, it's like 1 o'clock in the morning. Place my order. All right, so the next morning, I'm thinking, well, I should probably tell my husband, Kyle, what I did last night. We, uh, we have made a choice, and I think it's a very godly choice to uh, our, our, his money is my money, my money is his money, it's our money, we're married, it's together, we live under one budget, and so we talk regularly about it and get on the same page. And so I'm like, well, that wasn't really in the budget, so I better talk about that. So... Uh, so then I, I say to him, hey, uh, I couldn't sleep, and it was Amazon deal day, and so I bought a bunch of stuff that we needed. And he's like, oh, really? Why don't you pull that up? And so I'm like, yeah, okay, see, we needed laundry detergent, and we needed that Gatorade drink that we always get that the kids like, and those snacks that Ian brings to school, and there was a couple other practical things, and then he's like, and what about that? And I said, that foot rubber? Like that foot massager? I was like, that's for you. <laughs> true story, all of this is very true. My husband's a farmer, and his feet hurt at the end of a day, and I don't like to rub them, so. I thought, I'll get a foot massager that's on sale. Do you hear all the justification? Justification, justification. We have the foot rubber. He uses it all the time. I mean, I'm not saying I was right, but I was right. <laughs> Still a justification, though. It wasn't in the budget. It wasn't in the budget. Where do you justify? Where do you justify? Where do you know what the right thing is to do? Where do you know you've committed or your character would say, this is how we behave, but it doesn't line up with your actions? That's what this man is saying in this story, is he's trying to justify his actions, and so he says, who is my neighbor? And just like me, and I can guess, maybe you too, 
he was trying to justify his actions. So the very first important question of today is who is my neighbor? Jesus answers that for us in Luke 10, 30 through 37. And the way he answers it is in one of his parables. And a parable is simply a story. Uh, He did that a lot through the New Testament is Jesus would tell a story to make a point or to make an illustration come to life. And that's what we read here is that this is an illustration to help this religious expert understand the point of what it means to love, uh, love other people like yourself, to love your neighbor like yourself. And so in verse 30, it says, Jesus replied with a story. And he says, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. 31, it says, by chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. And so, so far in the story, we have two people that there's a man lying on the side of the road and he's half dead. And we have a priest who went to the other side of the road and kept walking. We have a temple assistant who, by all rights, is still like a a servant of God in that time, a religious leader who goes over to the other side of the road and passes him by. And so in all ways, it's the same as this religious expert. They know what to do. It would not be a surprise to those two people that, hey, you should help the almost dying man. But Jesus is painting a picture for this religious expert by telling a story of what happens and what he wants. And so let's go on to find the third person in the story. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And let me unpack that for a second It was a Jewish man who was beaten up and almost dead on the side of the road. And a Samaritan is someone in this culture and in this day that didn't love God. And a a Jewish, uh, coming from a Jewish background, they would have followed God and been in, in the religious side of things. And so Samaritans and Jews hated each other. Culturally, they hated each other because of their beliefs, because of their different racial differences, And so there was a lot of tension between those two cultures of people. And so it says, then a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. And the Jewish man who was almost beaten to death would have known that it's so countercultural that a Samaritan would have came to help him. And if flipped, the Jewish man, the likelihood of him helping the Samaritan probably would have been super slim. And in verse 34, Jesus goes on to say, the Samaritan going over to him, or sorry, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. He didn't just stop. He didn't just see him and stop and and help him with wounds. He put him on his donkey. He brought him to an inn. And then he paid for the stay. And then he said, if this man needs more, I'll pay for more. 
He was abundantly generous in how he cared for the needs of this man. In verse 36, it says, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Now go and do the same. The religious expert asked pretty much, he asked two different questions, but Jesus pretty much gave him the same answer. He said, what does the Old Testament law of Moses say? And he was able to recite that from his mind. But then Jesus told him a story and said, this is how I want you to live. I want you to live like the Samaritan in the story, the one who was a neighbor to somebody that in a cultural picture, he didn't love, he didn't even like. But he went over and he met all of his needs. And what Jesus did in this story is he gave that man, he answered two questions, not only who is your neighbor, but he also answered how to neighbor. And when I think about that first question, who is my neighbor, the answer is simple. It's any person who has a need. It's any person who has a need. It isn't just the people that live by us. It's for sure the people that live by us and our, our eyes wide open to the needs of our neighbors. But it's the people that we encounter on a day-to-day basis. And it's all these kind of needs. It's tangible needs like food and shelter, transportation, clothing. Those are all tangible needs, but it's also physical needs. It's also emotional needs, spiritual needs, relational needs. It is very real in today's time to feel really isolated and lonely, isn't it? I know I've felt that from time to time over the past several months. And when we feel that we have a relational need. And so the truth is we all have needs. And sometimes God's calling me to be the neighbor to meet your need. And sometimes God's calling you to be the neighbor to meet my need. And and that's the way it works when we live in community with one another. You know, relational needs really desire a need for connection and community, that we would be around people who would understand and seek out like our heart and understand us and have that connection And so what does it look like for you and I to to have our eyes wide open for the practical needs, but also the emotional needs and the relational needs of the people that we encounter? The second question that I believe Jesus answers through this story is how to neighbor, how to neighbor. And I believe we need to have three things and, and this comes from the story exactly, it's in verse 33. It says, then a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, the very first one is eyes to see. Eyes to see when he saw the man. It doesn't say he saw the man and then he recognized that it was a Jewish man and all the things that you know, could have defined this man. When he saw the man, he saw an almost half dead man. He saw that. And so my question to all of us is, do we see the people that we encounter on a daily basis? And when we look at them, do we go beyond the surface and do we take the extra step to actually see them? It made me think about 
You know, um, at times, I'm sure this is true for you and I, that maybe we go to the grocery store and, and because of circumstances over time, or maybe it's a family feud or, and you live in the same small town, or maybe it's a friendship that is broken and, and you find yourself, you're like in aisle two at the grocery store and all of a sudden you see the one person that you don't want to encounter and you're like sneaking around to like aisle four and you're like trying to hide. And then all of a sudden they come around and they're like, hi, <laughs> when you've been trying to avoid them. Like what Jesus tells in this story is like those, those are the people. As a follower of Christ, those are the people God's asking us to serve. He's asking us to neighbor and do we have eyes to see? And I think the other part of that is our life can get so hurried and busy that we make a lot of excuses to not stop. That's the second part of this story is the Samaritan, he saw the man and then he felt compassion for him. He had the heart to stop. The other two went across the road and, and kept on walking. It's like the distance across the road gave them some kind of validation that then they were far enough away that they didn't need to help the man. Isn't that interesting? Like, why didn't they walk past him? They actually had to go across. It's the same as the grocery store. It's like, we go into hiding when we know that God has called us to meet the need of somebody, that God might wanna make an encounter godly that we think could be very awkward or uncomfortable. And in this story, we see how God is inviting us. Jesus is telling us, we gotta have eyes to see, the heart to stop. A friend told me this story about a year ago, and it's about a time where he lived in another part of the country. And he was driving his car, and all of a sudden, like, something went wrong with his engine, and it started on fire. And so he, he pulled over, and he grabbed all his belongings in the back seat, and he happened to have a laundry basket. And so he put it all in the laundry basket, and he got out of the car, and he started walking down the the road in front of his car with this laundry basket. And all of a sudden, uh, literally like his pastor came and stopped and was like, hey, is that your car that's on fire? And he's like, yeah. And, and he's like, wow, what happened? He's like, I don't know. And, and they kind of got in a dialogue. And then after just a little bit, he's like, okay, we'll see you later. And he drove off, right? When I heard that story, I was like, are you serious? I was like, did that really happen? He's like, yeah. That really happened. And he had a lot of grace uh, for his pastor. He was like, oh, that's just the kind of guy that he was. <laughs> and I was like, what? But you know what, guys? Let's be honest. It might not be a burning car, but you and I walk past people's needs all day, every day. We do, don't we? And I believe right now in this season, right now in the next six weeks, you know, maybe later today, God's gonna give us opportunity to have eyes to see the heart to stop and hands to serve. And when we have those opportunities, I'm gonna ask us to lean in, to learn, and it might be uncomfortable, it might be awkward, it might be with someone that you don't want it to be. It might be with a stranger, someone that you don't know. I'm gonna ask us to lean into that and not to like shovel it to someone else and say like, oh, someone else will meet that need. God's called you, if you see the need, eyes to see the heart to stop, hands to serve. I'm so proud to be part of this local church. I'm so proud to be a Prairie Hider at Prairie Heights. I wanna talk a little bit about how we neighbor. We are uh, 
we are right in the middle of our two-year vision. It's called Stand. And we're talking about standing for changed lives, standing for future generations and transformed community. When we stand for changed lives, it's the 100,000 people in Cass and Clay counties, right here locally, who are living their life apart from Jesus. And we have been called to be one of the churches to reach out and to stand in that gap and to help more people have a relationship with Jesus and have their life be changed by him. That we're standing for future generations so that all kids can know that they belong, know that they have identity in Christ, and that they have a purpose in this life, and then transform community, that we wanna be proactive about our approach to mental, emotional, and financial health. And our focus, I'm so excited, our focus for future generations and stand and our focus for transform community has initiated, and we're just at the beginning of partnerships with our local schools. And through these conversations, we have been able to start, just start. We've got so much opportunity in front of us, friends. We've been able to start making an impact in some local schools right here in West Fargo. And I'm gonna share a little bit uh, later about what that means for us next. What I want you to know is that one of the dreams that we have as Pray Hiders, right, is to not uh, be a church that would just gather on a Sunday, but that if our doors closed tomorrow, that we would be missed. Not because we have a few hours together on a Sunday, but because we meet the needs of our community in such a way that whether they step foot in our church or not, we would be missed. Because when Jesus told the story about the Samaritan, he told a story that meant that people didn't need to come to us. People don't need to come to us. We need to go out. Jesus calls us to go out and to meet the needs of our community. And so these conversations that we've started, um, we started to think about, okay, where do kids go whether or not they believe in Jesus? Where do, they all, where do most of them go? They go to school, right? And so through these initial partnerships, one of the ways uh, we have been doing this is through our partnership with Eastwood Elementary School. And we, last spring, started a conversation with them that did the first ever pilot program for this attendance incentive pantry. And we've been a part of it since last spring, and the results already are incredible. Go ahead and take a look. The Eagle Nest program is a program that we use to utilize and help with attendance, to try to make sure that kids are in school as much as possible, is to provide um, a kind of an incentive program to help our students and when we can provide support for families and make them connected to our school, then they're more apt to attend and be here. Students who got to school on time would receive a punch card and each day they were here and on time, they received two punches. And along with that, then they also got an Eagle token. You know, kids could earn those tokens through making good decisions, uh, good behavior. And then after 21 days, then the students got to pick a prize, kind of a fun toy they wanted, but the families also earned $50 in product, which could be food products or supply products. 
So one of the families that was involved with the program went from missing school at least two, sometimes three days a week. So when I reached out and communicated with the family about asking if they'd be willing to participate for the rest of the school year, we're here. Their improvement over that last month of school was so significant because they had been consistently in school. That was only after a month. And so where could they be after a full year of having that kind of attendance? I feel that this is transforming the community by helping the students to be more successful, not only in the community, but in their education. If people feel connection to your community, they're more likely to stay, they're more likely to be involved, and they're more likely to give back. Magic's the word that comes to mind. I know that when you can see a kid come to life because they finally get something and they're finally seeing the power of education, it's just the coolest thing ever. Yes. You did that. You did that. We did that. We did that. And there's so much more opportunity for us to step into the gap and to do more and more of that. That is a proactive approach to transforming one kid, one family, and the way that we're doing it is by supporting the whole family by offering household items that bless their home, that incentivize them to get their child to school. Way to go. Like we get to be a part of that. That is incredible. Our oxygen students this last week did live it out. And what that was is they brought hundreds of supplies to continue to fill the Eastwood Elementary School pantry. They came and brought that as teenagers, middle school and high school students, they absolutely shocked us with the amount of things that they gladly donated or bought to bring. Isn't that incredible? And now we have an opportunity to do the same exact program for Horizon Middle School in Moorhead, Minnesota. And we are excited and can't wait to continue to lead the way in providing this program for multiple schools throughout our community. And we can't do that without all of you. And so thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you for your investment in Stan. Thank you for participating and believing that God's gonna use this group of people to make an impact. And that's gonna continue to ripple year after year. And so here's what I want for us, is that when the holiday season tends to get so commercialized, I don't know about you, but you get the Amazon magazine and like my kids have already circled everything in there. So it's like, I don't even know what to get you. You circled everything. <laughs> I wanna combat all of that. Like gifts are good things and they, they are love languages. But I also wanna say, how are we giving? How are we looking outside our walls and how are our hearts open to meet the needs of other people? because that's what community is. And so there are three specific ways that you can give light through Prairie Heights this holiday season. Number one, drop off supplies for Horizon Middle School Pantry. You can find a list on our website. 
Uh, sponsor an individual or family for Christmas. If you're here in person, there's stars in the lobby. If you're online, just hop in the chat and let us know and we'll connect you with a family. And number three, give financially through Prairie Heights. And so I specifically said through because I believe that every time you give, you are giving through Prairie Heights because every single penny, every single dollar goes to invest in change lives in future generations, in transform community, and it, and it transfers through to meet the needs of people. And I will say, you know, I started coming to Prairie Heights back in 2007. And at that time, we were a church of about 150 people. And uh, when I started coming, God got a hold of my heart. Never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing today. <laughs> and um, every year, this time of year, our needs in our community ramp up and we get to hear those needs and so we get to be a support and I love that because of your generosity, we get to say yes when people have emergency crisis with food or shelter or transportation and we have a system and a process that helps meet that need if we're the appropriate uh, place to meet that need and then also the other thing that we get a lot is winter gear. People need winter gear and don't always have the funds. And so we oftentimes can say yes to those needs because of you. And so I wanna invite you to continue to give financially through Prairie Heights so that we can be abundant in our giving and live out our value of give generously as a church family. And I just also wanna say a deep, deep gratitude of thanks. Thank you that we get to do this together. And so as I think about as a church family, we're gonna continue to neighbor that way. We are gonna meet the needs of people regardless if they come into the doors of Prairie Heights or not. That is not what neighboring is the way Jesus invites us to neighbor. It's going out of these walls and it's neighboring. And I'm gonna close with you and I just centering ourselves in our own life. And how are you and I as individuals going to center around this call that Jesus has given us to neighbor outside our walls, to neighbor outside our homes. And what does that look like? I'm going to bring us to Scripture, Matthew 22, 36 through 39. And it's the same exact Scripture that we've been talking about. It says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? It's like you and I, if we got to be face-to-face with Jesus right now in this moment, and we said, like, Jesus, if there's anything we could do, if there's anything we could do that would, that would please your heart and that would bring us closer to what you want for us and our life with you, what would it be? You know, sometimes you think about like meeting that famous person, you would ask him one question. It's like this guy's saying, what's the greatest thing that we could do that would align our hearts with your heart? And he says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So if you've chosen to follow Jesus, the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And you've maybe heard those words before, but what does that actually look like in your life? Are you giving God everything? Are you saying, God, I'm gonna love you with my mind, I'm gonna love you with my whole heart, and I'm gonna love you with my soul? I'm gonna love you because when you love God that much, you are filled with his love and it gives you the strength and courage to love other people the same way 
that he loves you. As he pours that in, it says, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And the other thing I wanna say is loving God and loving people, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's not a suggestion. It's not a, oh, that'd be nice if you did that. It's a commandment. It's a command. Jesus commands us to love God with everything we've got. And out of that love, because we've received it, we can love other people like crazy. In crazy ways, in radical ways. So who is your neighbor? Any person who has a need. Every one of us. And the second question, how do you neighbor? We gotta have eyes to see, we gotta have a heart to stop, and we gotta have hands to serve. Because Jesus didn't call us to just live by our neighbors. He called us to love our neighbors. And that's what we're talking about in this series, How to Neighbor. Let me pray for us. God, I pray for every person and family that's represented here in this room. I pray for every heartbeat. I pray, God, that you would continue to come into our lives in such a way that you would radically change us from the inside out. That because you love us and you love us so much unconditionally, that you would help us, God, to love other people the same way. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to Prairie Heights. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit prairieheights.com give for more information. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or even take a screenshot and share it on your social media and tag us at Prairie Heights. Thanks for listening and God bless.